Yo, yo, um, Tease, episode 13, episode right? Episode 13 in this joint. So, um, we teenagers? Technically, yes. All right, so we, we got... We, 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 ain't, we ain't youngest no more. No. Nah. We, we, we doing, I mean, we doing this shit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the one that curse, huh? Okay, know, right? somebody feeling good today, huh? <laughs> well, uh, it's rainy, but uh, it's just a good day. Yo. Well, you know, we had told the people that, you know... We're going to try to have guests throughout all these episodes. Mm-hmm. We got one today, and, you know, when we first talked about this person, we said that the people was going to enjoy this guest. Yeah. We know him already. Yeah. To us, he, <laughs> to us, he just one of our niggas. Yeah. You know what I mean? But to the people, they're going to find out. Yeah. Okay, this is the mo- most dude? interesting guy yeah. from the city of Chicago. <laughs> so, uh, oh, before, before I bring him in, say what you're going to say. Oh, yeah. I got something to say. Okay, this 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 is my brother from we grew up together. And he know what I'm about to say. I'm put him on blast Here in front go. of the whole world. Here we go. Here we go. In 1998, this young man stole my 112 Room wow. 112 CD. Wow. And he has not returned it. Wow. And he promised he's gonna give it to me. And it's been 20 years and he has not given it to do me. Do you still have a CD player? Yes, I do. It is not your business, but I do. And I want my 112 CD. Brother man, That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about this one over here because he he knows it. He knows no, I it. did. I did. And I will find you a 112 CD. Okay. That's, and that's Vintage. fair. Yeah, yeah, I will find you one. I think I actually still have it, probably. You probably. Because I have two. And, like, and, and one is and one is mine. I got, I got yeah, it. one is mine. So yeah, that that's how we starting this off because I just needed the world to know that this is this that he still owes in my CD. So you gonna come by the house and get it? Maybe. So so <laughs> so listeners, listeners, as you can see, T starts the show choosing violence. I did not choose violence. She chose violence. I did not choose violence. I did not choose with a long time homie. <laughs> All right, that's um, my bro. So, with that being said, we got my man, my homie, been knowing him all my life like Latisse, my man Ronald Shade, a.k.a. we call him Bossy. Yeah. What up, bro? What's up, y'all? Appreciate y'all for inviting me on the show. Like what y'all doing. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Man, yeah. I'm glad I, could, glad I could make it, man. We had to get you on here, man. Appreciate we it. We had appreciate to get you on here. Appreciate yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I hope this is uh, not a, a church Type <laughs> no. show because I'm, nah. I'm gonna no, do some no, cursing no. now. I guess it's okay because T's already cursed once. We need, to do a, we need to do a curse tally to see who cursed the most. Probably gonna be me. Yeah, it's definitely probably gonna be you. you. She looks definitely you. Yeah, yeah. I, I can already. I don't, I, that's an easy win. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. That's I'll an easy it. win. Well, you know, when we do our very first episode, like our first teaser, we said that it definitely ain't gonna be no church podcast. Yeah. So yeah. we warn people. Yeah. So like, they know hey, if you listen, it's at your own risk. Right. All right, this ain't this ain't JV Richardson Latisse. <laughs> this ain't Junior Usher, Junior Deacon Corey. Yeah. So y'all about this to hear. Yeah. Right, exactly. Shit for your ass. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. These, so these is these is these is grown folks. So what's going on, bro? What's up with you, man? How's how's everything? Man, everything is great, man. Just busy working. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids are great. My oldest son's a freshman at Howard in DC. That's crazy. My middle son. I waited 16 years between my kids to have. Well, 16 years from my oldest to my second. So my middle son will be two in December. 
And my youngest son will be one in January. You just got all boys. Boys, huh? All boys. Thank the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Hey, man, you got to switch up positions to get the girl, man. <laughs> hey, man, God knew he was like, I don't need no girls, man. <laughs> yeah, I'd be fucking somebody up with my daughter. I man. believe I'm, that, I'm too. Sure. I got nieces. I believe that's, that. That's right. close enough, man. It's all right. You good. But, man, just between working the kids, man, that's what mm -hmm. keeps me busy, bro. That's, that's really it. Work is two full-time jobs, and mm -hmm. the kids is three full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. So that's really yeah. it, man. That's okay. It. That's it, well, let's let's get into like let's get into like the early days. Like, tell the people like where you from, what high school you went to, and then like before you get into what you're doing now, let's talk about that. Okay, um, so I'm from the west side of Chicago, which a lot of people really like find baffling, right? They'd be like, "Damn, we never knew he was from the west side of Chicago." Mm -hmm. You're from always, west west side, not like like the you're, real west side, yeah, you're Chicago, the real, like you, the middle of the west. Yeah, side you're of the Chicago. middle of the west side. I know where you're from, but like, I, let's let's get the people an example. <laughs> Um, people who know who, who Lupe Fiasco is, that's so where Lupe you... grew up in the building behind me. We grew up on Madison and Kedzie. Mm -hmm. I go. grew up in 3120 West Madison. He was in 3054 West Madison. If you've seen the movie Hoop Dreams, Marshall High School mm -hmm. was across the street from where we grew up. So, I mean, yeah. that's like right in the, the heart of the west side of Chicago, right. um, which back when we were growing up, was dangerous as hell. I mean, I never forget <laughs> one time. Were you in the car when my mama pulled off the time? I don't, maybe. No, so, no, you weren't. It was, I think it was me, Kaya, Sean. I forget who it was, but we was, everybody was in my house one Friday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was the 90s, so niggas didn't have cell phones and shit at ease like then, right? Uh -huh. Right. So we was, we stopped on the corner of uh, of Sacramento and Van Buren to call Home Run In to order a pizza. And I'm at the payphone, and the back door is open. And in the lot where I'm on the payphone, that these niggas get to shooting at each other. Mm -hmm. And my mama pulls off. <laughs> I'm not in the car. She, she pulls off. Me. And starts driving down Sacramento away from me <laughs> while niggas are shooting. I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? Uh -huh. Yeah, so yeah, we was we was in the in, in the heart of the West Side of Chicago. Yeah. I remember that story though. Yeah, no, yeah. So, so that's where I'm from. And then um, I went to school actually total total opposite side of town. Uh, I started at Francis Parker High School when I was I mean Francis Parker when I was in second grade because my brother went to high school there, and I actually finished my entire academic you know grammar school and high school career from second grade through high school at Francis Parker. Probably one of the most, you know, expensive schools in the city to go to. Um, probably one of the best academic schools to go to. So yeah, it's it's like a huge juxtaposition growing up on the west side of Chicago and being in the environment that I lived in versus being in that environment where I went to school in, which is totally different. So yeah, man, it was it was interesting. To say so the when least. when you was at Francis Park, like you know, when somebody at school like asked you where you from and you tell them, were well, they like shocked? Like wow, like. I know they asked you that question. Have you ever seen anybody get shot? Like, I, I'm sure they <laughs> no, did. No, they did. They uh, did. I mean, it was they. So they asked me that question. I'm like, I'm from the West Side of Chicago, and then they're like, Okay, where is that? Like, you know, because honestly, I didn't know anything about the North Side that much until I went to Parker in second grade, right? Like, right. you know, when we were just in our neighborhood community, I go to church, right? Go to my grandmama's house, go That's to your it. house, right. and we'd all uh -huh. be at church, yeah. and that was it. So when we went to the North Side, it was like damn near a culture shock. Mm -hmm. And then when I got there, and you know, I started telling people where I lived at, they didn't know about it. And then one time my mama had this wise idea to have a sleepover at my house for, uh, for one of my birthday parties. It was crazy. The white kids loved it. <laughs> like, this is great. I'm like, y'all live in these 8,000 square foot mansions in Lincoln Park, yeah, these yeah. million dollar mansions. Mm -hmm. And y'all like, you know, my two bedroom, one bath apartment that me mm -hmm. and my mom and my brother live in on the west side of Chicago. So, mm -hmm. um, but the question always asks, have you ever seen anyone get shot or, mm -hmm. you know, is it violent over there? And I mean, honestly, it was, right? I right. think all of us has experienced some type of violence or, you know, right, tragic right. act of crime when we were growing up. And it wasn't sometimes directed. It wasn't directed at us, and right. sometimes someone that we knew was involved in it. But mm -hmm. um, 
You know, I think we're all fortunate. And our parents did a good job of keeping us sheltered from mm-hmm. all of that. And I think that's, you know, why it's to say, you know, that all of us are successful in the things that we've, you know, set out to accomplish. I think that's why we are successful because our parents really sheltered us from the things that could have, you know, put us on the wrong path or could have, you know, helped us end up dead or in jail. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was definitely a, a, a very interesting transition from going to Parker to the west side to back and forth. It was, it was interesting. I know it had to be because it was like, like, you know, they get that expression. It was like night and day. It really was. No, literally. like, no, like literally. Like it couldn't been couldn't have been more night and day than <laughs> yeah. anybody can imagine. Um, but again, I think that's that's one of the things that I think has made me be able to adjust to like different environments now professionally mm-hmm. um, in regards to players that I work with or owners that I you know meet with mm-hmm. or you know general managers or you know team executives that I meet with. You know, I, I was in a situation where I had to culturally <coughs> adjust like on the fly, right? From second grade, right? You know, through high school, right? You know, you're you're in school with these people, and you know their parents make millions of dollars and you know, you, they, you're going to their homes and they're taking you on vacations with them. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand like, okay, I have to blend in with them. Mm-hmm. Right. But then when you go back home, you don't want to stick out. Mm-hmm. Of course. People say you're a sellout or right. like that. So you got to right. blend in at home too. So I think that's one of the unique things that I think, you know, kind of forced me to be able to adjust culturally into different environments. Just the fact that I went to school in that setting and then lived in a different setting. So. Cause so people don't know, like Francis Parker, I mean, I know because being, you know, From basketball being, yeah. coach and all that, but Francis Parker is like one of the upper echelon schools in Chicago and the tuition is like ridiculous. It's college yeah. tuition. Yeah, it is. College it tuition. really is college tuition. So I never forget my first time going there, we pull in the, we pull in the parking lot on the bus. I see Range Rover one, Range Rover two, <laughs> Range Rover three, mm-hmm. Maybach one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell who are we? Right. And you know, when I I find out, like, yeah, you know, the people who go here, a lot of prominent people in Chicago, like doctors, lawyers, politicians, a lot of their kids go to that school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like, I, it felt like we was in Beverly Hills. <laughs> no, it is. I'm, so yeah. when I was there, Jim Belushi's son went there. Mm-hmm. One of my classmates, his mother's, his mother was Oprah's executive producer. Mm-hmm. So like, I would go to their crib, but I would see all their Emmys, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one time we went to uh, Fisher Island in Florida, and you know, I thought we were just going to Miami. We went to Fisher Island, and a lot of people don't know what it is. It's a private island off of Miami, or like Michael Jordan has a house there, Tom Brady, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I, was t- I just, I never heard of it until just now. Yeah. So, okay. So, we stayed at Oprah's place, like one of her places on Fisher Island that she mm-hmm. let her employees stay in. So, I mean, it was, it was crazy, right? That, like you said, that the, the, the cars and things like that. And then here comes a kid from the west side of Chicago, and his mama dropping him off to school, and the, 84 Chevy Nova with the muffler hanging off and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like, mom, just drop me off on the corner. Like, I was, I was kind of embarrassed. I walk up there, mom. Like, I was, right, was kind of right. embarrassed. But I mean, again, it was, I think it was a, it was a uniquely different experience, but kind of helped me get to, not kind of, it did help me get to the point where, I, where I'm at today. Yeah. yeah. Make you well-rounded. You yeah, know? no, definitely. Sure. Very yeah. well put, very well-rounded. Yeah. Sort of. Sort, sort of, of. kind of. Mm, yeah. A little ratchet. So, so, <laughs> Still, yeah. so after high school, where'd you go? Went to DePaul University. Um, you know, I think all of us had these aspiring, you know, dreams to play. Well, not you, Latisse. Well, no, maybe you I did didn't. too, but I did. you know, we all wanted to play mm-hmm. basketball and be involved in it. And so, you know, I was a decent basketball player and I had some mid to lower level scholarship offers from like Ohio University, um, Cornell, things like that. But, you know, I befriended a lot of guys who played at DePaul, like Lance Williams and guys like that. And so since they were at DePaul, I had this idea where you know, I can go to DePaul and walk on and be on the team. Yeah. But then, you know, once I got to campus, I realized that basketball, when you get to that high level, 
is is a lot different, not mm-hmm. only from an athletic perspective, but from a political perspective. Like finances become involved, right? Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I realized, well, you know what? There was no chance of me, you know, getting on a basketball team. And I honestly knew, like, okay, I just want to play basketball just for fun, right? I wasn't right. going to do it as a profession. But what I did know is that I wanted my profession to have something to do with basketball. Right. And so, um, you know, I was fortunate enough when, you know, Lance Williams and a guy named Sam Hoskin, who was from Detroit, but he was a big-time player at DePaul, when they went through, you know, the um, when they got done with basketball, they went through the NBA draft process and they went through the process of hiring agents. And so we were all so close. They were like, Ron, we want you to kind of help us navigate this agent selection process. And in doing so, you know, I was thinking like, okay, I'm sitting here interviewing agents on behalf of these guys. I'm like, well, hell, why can't I do this, right? right. Like, why can't I be an agent? And so um, that's when, you know, kind of a light bulb went off my head. Well, you know, this is something I want to do. And, you know, I think that was in 2001. And then uh, yeah, 2002, I had my first internship. And then uh, 19 years later, I'm still doing it. So when you, so once you got out of DePaul, uh, and then you went into the the uh, rep, the uh, representative part of of the business. Mm-hmm. What was your first job? It's an intern, literally intern. And what uh, what does it consist of? Man, when you... driving players around to mm-hmm. the gym, getting them food, going out with them. Um, and we were working for us. It's crazy how the world comes full circle. So my first internship was with a gentleman named Keith Kreider, um, and he runs a company called Edge Sports. And Keith is still an agent. And um. While when I first got to Edge, um, there was a gentleman there named Alex Saratis who um, was working with Keith already. Alex went to Northwestern. Um, he was from Greece, lived in Japan, lived in Mexico. So Alex was working with Keith when I started as mm-hmm. an intern. And so Alex and I became friends automatically when we both got there. And, um, you know, both of our jobs were, you know, bottom of the barrel jobs, drive players around, take them to the gym, pick them up, you know, take them to get food, all types of shit. Right. right. And so, I mean, and that's what you should do, right? I think mm-hmm. every person should start at the bottom level of whatever profession whatever profession that they're in to understand, you know, how every possible component of that profession works. I'm, yeah. I'm a big yeah. advocate of believing in that. And so, I mean, literally, man, when it came time, we would be driving back and forth to, you know, gyms, going to games to, you know, scout players, things like that. And, um, yeah, man, that, that, that's, what it, that's what it entailed. It entailed that mm-hmm. and anything else that you could imagine and some things I can't even say. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Say. So uh, that was the first agency. That was the first agency I was with. So what what happened next? What was the second? Agency? So I was with Keith for about two or three years, um, and then funny thing was Alex left. Um, Alex left, and he went to work at a company called CSMG. And CSMG at the time, um, the prominent agent there was Henry Thomas, who was one of my mentors, and he was one of the first people I ever spoken with, spoke with about wanting to get into the you know sports representation world. Um, from Chicago, you know, African American man, um, light skin, kinda reminded me a lot of like, you know, myself mm-hmm. in regards to he played basketball, things like that. But he was, you know, far more I would say he was far more intelligent, far more charismatic than I was. But I looked at him as like this is somebody who I kinda wanna emulate right. in my career. Um, so Alex went to work with him. And then I stayed with uh, Keith for a little bit longer. And I just realized that, you know, the way that his business was evolving or the lack of evolution, should I say, in his business was something that wasn't going to be conducive to the growth of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that time, this was around 2003, my oldest son was born, right? He was born on January 8th of 2003. And then my grandmother died 20 days later. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like so much emotional stuff going on. And it was like, okay, you know, my mom's dealing with a lot with losing her mother. Mm-hmm. And now she's a, a first-time grandmother. Mm-hmm. I'm a 21-year-old father, mm-hmm. but I have to make sure I support my child. 
and the you know again not to knock Keith or anything that he did he tried to help me as best as he can but you know his best wasn't a good enough for me right, right right so um crazy thing was we represented a player um no at the time represent Tommy you remember Avi's story mm-hmm. played, so Avi mm-hmm. was one of my guys so Avi called me when his boy Tommy Smith got drafted by the Bulls I know who that is yeah and Tommy mm-hmm. got drafted I think in 2005 it was six, 2006 something like that yeah, right yeah so Tommy got drafted in 2006 and then, you know, befriended Tommy while he was with the Bulls because Avi just wanted somebody from Chicago to look out for him. Mm-hmm. Well, the next year after Tommy was drafted, Lou Aldang got drafted. Mm-hmm. And when Lou got drafted, Tommy was like his big brother. And so by default, I started hanging out with Lou all the time. And that relationship kind of, for me, evolved into like, you know, my big break in the business because okay. Lou all was, you know, probably, I mean, he is one of the top, I would say, five, seven bulls of all time, right? Mm-hmm. And so at that time, you know, Luol was with uh, was with an agent, but his agent was, you know, not present all the time in Chicago. And so he kind of needed me to kind of handle a lot of his day-to-day stuff, not even from a working perspective, but just like as a homeboy who knew the city. So I'll never forget one day, I was on my way to interview with Henry Thomas at CSMG, and Luol calls me. He's like, bro, I need you to come pick me up. I'm like, okay, what's up? He's like, I need you to take me to Rush. And he lived out in Deerfield, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. And I'm like, okay, I'm already in the city. You want me to drive to Deerfield <laughs> to come get you, then drive you back, back to here. Rush? Yeah. Cool, it's my dog. Like, I have no problems. So I have a suit on. I drive to Deerfield, leave my, I think at that time I had a Toyota Echo. <laughs> leave my Toyota Echo <laughs> uh-huh. uh, at Luol's house, $2 million house in Deerfield. And then we jump in his Range Rover and we drive him back to the city. He's like, yo, why do you have on a suit? And I was like, you know, I'm going, I got a job interview. He's like, I thought you had a job. I thought you were for an agency. And I was like, I do, but, you know, things aren't what I expected of it right now. So I'm trying to, you know, go in a different direction. He's like, oh, no, it's all good. I'm going to have the guy who represents me. I'm going to tell him I want you to work for him because mm. he's about to start his own agency. He yeah. was working with CAA at the time, and he left CAA and started his own agency. Right. I and know so, that guy. Who you talking about? Yeah. So, um, so Lou was like, his name was Josh. Lou was like, Josh, yep. I want Ron to work for you. And from that moment on, to this day, man, I've been with Lou ever since, man. So that was uh, probably, I would say, my, my biggest break. And then it, it's kind of ironic, though, again, because Alex, who I started with at C- uh, Edge Sports, he was at TSMG at the time. And I was thinking, okay, this is a good opportunity for me and Alex to reconnect. But we didn't. And then it comes full circle that I think 2015, after my dad died, I ended up working at Octagon, which is where I'm at now. And Alex was there, and he and I have been, you know, Tight like sense. that, yeah. yeah. So now you with Octagon now. So where is that based out of? So our corporate office is based out of McLean, Virginia. Okay. Um, which is where our like president of the company is, finance, travel, accounting, all of that. Okay. But we have offices. Um, shit. Octagon is owned by Interpublic Group, which is probably one of the biggest consulting companies in the world. And under Interpublic Group is like different umbrellas of different like small media groups, sports agencies, talent agencies, you know, PR firms, Golan Harris. And Golden Harris represents like Elton John, Jamie Foxx, oh, Michael B. Okay. Jordan okay. represents Jamie Foxx. Nice. Okay. Um, and Octagon is under that same umbrella. Okay. So, um, you know, we got offices everywhere, but um, the basketball group, which is what I'm a part of, the basketball group has offices in L.A., Philly, Phoenix, here in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. So, you said 2015? Oh, 2015, yeah. So, you've so, been a while. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what happened was, to step back, Start so started working with Luol in two thousand whatever that was like two thousand three two thousand four, um, when I was gonna interview with CSMG he was like no come work with me, or come work with the guy who's representing me, 
And then I was there for probably around four or five years. And then Josh had to get out of the business just for some things, whatever, but some things happened. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, Luol's probably one of the hottest names in the NBA. So every agent in the world is trying Wanted to get him. Luol. Yeah. I mean, everyone. Yeah. And, you know, CAA was where he started at. And so they honestly thought that he was going to come back there and work with them. But Lou was like, no, Ron, like, I fuck with you. Like, you tell me what we're going to do, and we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were at a bowling event downtown, and I bumped into this kid who I played basketball against in high school named Mike Rudoy. And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. <laughs> Mike's father was a very, very well-known, prominent agent. His name was Herb Rudoy. And Herb, uh, I've known Herb since I was a kid because I played against his son. But Herb was one of the pioneers of bringing European players to the NBA okay. and then placing players in the States overseas. And so Herb, because I had a comfort level with him, um, I decided to work with him, I would say, from 2010 to around 2015. And, um, you know, ended up leaving him in 2015. But the crazy thing was, while I was with Herb, we did some great things. You know, he represented Manu Ginobili. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had Lou All at the time. I represented Draymond Green his first two, three years in the league, who still is like one of my little brothers to this day. So we were able to do some things at that company that were, I think, very good. But again, you know, the business evolves just like everything in life evolves. Mm -hmm. And if you don't change with the business, then, you know, you end up getting left behind. Yeah. And so what happened was there was a couple of players that we ended up losing because Herb didn't want to evolve. And I got tired of, you know, dedicating so much time and effort and spending time away from my son, away from my family because I was married at the time. Right. So spending time away from my wife, my son, and then my dad died. So I'm like, yo, I'm fucking chasing these players, you know, spending all this time with them. And getting nothing out of it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you chase them. Sometimes you get a player, sometimes you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like there's no reward, right? There's no mm -hmm. reward. And so I got tired of that. So I, I left Herb, and I was about to get out of the business altogether, yeah. like all together. Yeah. And then um, right after my dad passed in 2015, Alex called me. He was like, "Bro, let's have breakfast." Like I don't want to talk business. Just want to talk breakfast and check on you. And obviously, our, our breakfast ended up, you know, turning into just work shit. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was like, if, well, "What are you gonna do if you're not an agent?" I was like, "Bro, I don't know. Well, I gotta figure it out because." This shit ain't it, right? Like, mm -hmm. this, this ain't it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, you know, I'm I'm at Octagon now, and we have an office in Chicago. And so, you know, um, I don't know if we have a position open, but if there's something that you want to do, if you're interested in working with me, you know, I could go to my boss, and, you know, I could tell him, like, okay, we should hire you. Yeah. And so I went out to L.A. and met with his boss, Jeff Austin, and Jeff's another, you know, agent who's been in the game 30 years. We represented David Robinson, Moses Malone, um, represent a guy named Del Curry and end up representing both of his boys. Mm -hmm. um, so we um, went out to L.A. and met with Jeff. And by the time I landed back in Chicago, Jeff had offered me a job. That was oh, five wow. years That's ago. And up. I figure, you know, now I've been there five years, going on six. Um, Alex has now been promoted to the co-head of the basketball department. I work right under Alex and Jeff, and we have, like, people who work underneath us. And uh, for me, I think this is, from, a, from an agent perspective, an agency perspective, this will probably be the last move I make in an agency perspective. I think my next job or transition will probably be to the team side, whenever that may be. Okay. But I mean, right now, I think the culture that Alex and I and Jeff and, you know, some of the people that work with us, we've built at Octagon with the Giannis's, the Stephs, the Bams, the Monte Morris's, you know, guys like that. Um, I think it's, it's something that a lot of people are recognizing in the business. And again, the way that I am, a lot of people don't know that I'm behind a lot of that shit. Mm -hmm. So I just stay in my lane, create my own culture, and stay the fuck out the way. Right. That's what's yeah, that's, that's the way. I, I guess like when you I guess you have to be a person that doesn't want to be in the forefront in that line of business because I guess because and you tell me if I'm wrong a lot of those players 
their job is just to play basketball. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the other stuff, like you were saying, like to get picked up to go to a doctor's visit or take care of this, that's what you guys do. So that, that's what I was doing when okay. I was at Edge Sports and when I was with Herb, right? Mm-hmm. And that that became, you know, that was to my demise because like people were like, damn, you're an agent, but you're also handling my day to day shit. You're picking up my dry cleaning. You're taking my car to get washed. And for me, it was like, okay, I didn't mind doing that shit. It was fun. Like mm-hmm. this is a job I'm getting paid for to be around. You know NBA players and yeah. you know, be involved with the NBA like this is my fucking dream like right. yeah. but then what I did realize is that other agencies had people who were doing these things for them they had interns they had assistants and things mm-hmm. like that so honestly a lot of people looked at me and you know I'm like honestly they like okay Ron's good at what he does but I will say some people probably didn't take me serious because I was doing everything by right. myself Her- mm-hmm. Herb was 60 at the time. Mm. So he, he couldn't relate to Draymond. Yeah, he can, right? No, no. Like Draymond, is, it's, anybody ask Draymond, is, I signed with Inner Performances because of Ron. Right. Like that's, and, and he will say that to this day. And, you know, he oftentimes says, if you know if I had left Inner Performances and went somewhere else, he probably left with me. But I think that was probably the biggest, the biggest change for me in my career. When he left, and I like and me and Draymond are still like this, but mm-hmm. when he left, I realized there's a definite differentiation between business and like professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm professional and personal, right? Yeah. As much as he loves me personally, and you know, as much for as sure. he, like, I could call him right now. If he ain't playing, mm-hmm. he will answer and I could say, I need anything, and he'd mm-hmm. be there for me. Same thing with a lot of my guys. Right. But professional and, you know, personal, there's a def- definite separation. Right. And so when he left, I had to understand that, you know, the next move that I made had to be the right move for me professionally, for, you know, my son, who I had at the time, and, you know, for the family that I was eventually going to have with my, my two younger sons. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what's the, I know T's probably got questions, but what's and a part of the business, what's the toughest part? And then like what's the part that is fulfilling for you, you know, since you've been doing it for so long? Toughest part, man. Shit. I mean, it's a few. Recruiting, getting uh-huh. new players is tough, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a it's a statistic. I think there's like some crazy number of agents, right? But five percent of all the agents in the world right, represent 97% of the players in the NBA. Wow. So it's Octagon, Clutch, not in any particular order. Octagon, Clutch, CAA, uh, what used to be Bill Duffy, I think he's with William Morris now, Priority Sports. uh, Those are like the five that have been around the longest. Most of us, and then there's a couple others, we represent most of all the guys in the NBA, right? Now there's some one-off agents who have like two or three clients here and there, but the big companies represent most of the players in the NBA. So recruiting is difficult, right? Because yeah. you're recruiting against these other companies. So the thing that you have to do is find something that separates you from these other groups. That's that's first and foremost. Um, also, what's very difficult is uh, not only getting the clients, but keeping the clients, right? right. Mm-hmm. Because anytime something goes wrong, there are always going to be other agents in their ear saying, oh, I could do this for you, or I could do that yeah, for you, yeah. or your agent didn't do this, or your yeah. agent didn't do that, or he negotiated a $30 million contract for you, I could have negotiated $40 million. And then, and that's the part of me that I had to adjust to, because for me, I'm not with that kind of bullshit. Like, you're not about to talk about me in a negative way, and this is the way I support my family, right? right. Like, I'm not with that shit. Like, I'll right. beat your ass. There's been a couple times, like, I've almost whooped somebody's ass with some bullshit like that. Um, but I had to remember, like, I'm a professional, so right. I, can't, I right. can't let that part, mm-hmm. can't let that west side that come out, go. right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I would say that's the probably, those are the two most difficult parts. And the most gratifying part, honestly, is just, you know, seeing some of these young men or some of the guys who you consider your friends, you know, helping them attain a level of financial security 
and the lifestyle that they've worked hard for and sacrificed for that you definitely play a role in, right? Like, you know, um, that's probably the most gratifying thing. And then now as I'm getting older um, in the business, like working with people and, you know, realizing that the people you work with, you know, celebrating their successes with them. Like Alex Saratis, who I talked about earlier, he's now the head of Octagon Basketball, the co-head of Octagon Basketball. He found, he was one of the two agents who found Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, when he was playing in Greece. Mm. Right? Alex has been my best friend for years. He's my two youngest boys' godfather, right? Mm. To see Alex attain the level of success that he has in regards to now finally being recognized as one of the you know prominent agents of the business. And, you know, him and I working hand-in-hand on literally everything every day like those are the things that are gratifying for me. Right. Um, so right. yeah, it's, as you get older, I think you know the things that make you happy or content in your career mm-hmm. change. And I think I'm at a point now where you know the thing celebrating you know, my, my my friends' successes are equally as important as celebrating my own. Right. That's nice. Well, I I would ask like so I know like with the travel and stuff that that has to be exhausting. So what do you, how do you unwind? Like, what do you do to kind of just get your, I don't, you don't, I don't. but you got to do something like to get the stress. Like, so high level stress all day. People will tell you this. I tell people all the time. I don't like nobody. Mm. I, and I can believe that. Don't like nobody. I can believe My that. My job is so stressful. People always ask for shit. Yeah. Right. Like, does that get annoying? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. It's like, yeah. fuck, like why? Mm-hmm. What makes you think that I've worked 20 years to get to where the fuck I am Right. that just because you think you know me, you can right. ask me for something? You know what I mean? Yeah. It gets annoying. Honestly, it gets annoying. Yeah. Um, and then the, the stress, I mean, there's, I mean, honestly, there's there's nothing that I do to wind down because um, I don't have time, right? I was telling Corey when I walked up, I just got back in town. I don't even know when I got back in town. <laughs> but I leave tomorrow, come back, and I fly back into Milwaukee Saturday. Go to a game Saturday in Milwaukee. Um, go home Sunday. Take my kids trick or treating Sunday. Take my kids to swimming on Monday. I'm in LA. Busy, busy, busy. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Back to Chicago Friday. Then back to LA three days later on that following Tuesday. And then I haven't even gotten beyond that. So it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, you know, like listen to music here and there when I'm on planes or when I'm in the office or when I'm driving. Um, again, as you get older, you find yourself doing weird shit, right? Like, we live outside the city now. Mm-hmm. So what I do is, like, sometimes when I'm driving to the city, I'm just driving total silence. Yeah. Like, that gives me an it's hour of de- silence yeah. and, you know, yeah. decompression and kind of just kind of focus on, you know, shit that I need to do or try <laughs> and focus on nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try and work out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But that becomes hard because, you know, my phones literally have to be on at all times. Mm-hmm. If a client can't get a hold of you. Sometimes they get upset, right? And then right. They, you know, so and you got to answer. Got yeah. to, yeah. got to. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, there, there's no, um, there's no, there's no decompressing seats. There's no. We got to, we got to work on that. There's bro. no relax. We got to work on actually, that. Actually, so this is this is what now it's getting old. So I was hooping a couple of weeks ago, and I woke up the next morning, and my back was <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't move. Yeah. And for the f- second time in my life, the first time. I got a massage with some bullshit, like mm-hmm. a massage envy or some shit. I was like, mm-hmm. no. But I, I've i never had a massage beyond that. <laughs> Everybody's always like, yo, get a massage, get a massage. So yeah. I had one like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this shit is actually yeah. like relaxing. Yeah. Relaxing. But um, that's probably the only thing I've done for myself probably in the past five, ten years that I could say was a way to decompress and get away from shit. Even yeah. when I'm trying to take a vacation somewhere, I'm always working. That's what I was going to ask you. So what about vacation? What is that? <laughs> we that? got we gotta work on that, bro. We gotta bro, work my, on my that. My phones are always on. Like I'm literally looking while we're here. Yeah. 
looking at these. They're always like actually I've had one call from a client who um um one call from a client while I was here. Mm-hmm. Got people texting me from the Bulls game about what's going on after the game while I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm gotta make sure my kids get back home. <laughs> um but yeah, there's there's no vacations. So Basically, like you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Entourage, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that shit that we see Ari Gold doing and with his phones and constantly, like he's at a fucking bar mitzvah, but his client called. He had to walk out the bar mitzvah talk to his client. So that's basically how it is. First off, you just said something that just fucking hurt my soul. Entourage, probably one of my favorite shows. That and Jerry Maguire. Type yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So I followed this page on Instagram, and they had this Entourage jacket. That was like a cast and crew jacket only like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, should I buy the shit? And I was going back and forth teetering to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, uh, and then somebody bought it like five minutes before <laughs> I decided to buy it. And I was really pissed off about that because that was something that I really wanted. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Entourage. Yeah. That was just a total side note. But, um, <laughs> sorry. But yeah, honestly, it's just like that, bro. Honest, honestly, it's probably worse, right? Because Ari ran a agency. really big yeah. agency. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's not that many big agencies in the world. Like I, I, I honestly say that, you know, that's very similar, right? Like it's, it's uh, you know, where whether I'm at church sometimes, whether you know I was at my son's high school graduation on his phones, you know, I'm, you know, dropping him off at college, making sure you know his phone. I mean, my phones are on. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I get off a plane, messages just bombard my Come phone. Come to your phone, the, you yeah. Know, um, well, with yeah. that too, does how does the family like? Does the family get annoyed with you when your phones or like in your friends? Like, do they feel like we need you here? Like, how how does that how's that balance? I think the people who've been around me long enough mm-hmm. understand it. Yeah. Um, the crazy shit is a lot of my family doesn't. Most people don't know what I do, right? It's crazy mm-hmm. to this day. They call you Tommy. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> not even that. Like people think you know, and it's, it's sad to say it, right? Because I was around the wall his whole career. Uh-huh. And again, I'm not. A boastful person i don't let people know what i do like i don't like the contracts i do or any of the work that i do to be like in the media it's just not who i am right mm-hmm. but people always thought i was just like a part of someone's entourage like mm-hmm. a groupie type nigga mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was just like I let them think what they want it right yeah. i mean um so a lot of people don't know what i do um mm-hmm. and, and that's fine with me like i'm not trying to impress anybody i don't mm-hmm. you know want to prove to anybody i'm something that they think i'm not like i, I don't I don't care about that right mm-hmm. but right. for me it's just like it's it's very difficult to just like separate family and work. It's hard because, mm-hmm. you know, I always say this, this job has afforded me opportunities to make sure my children never go through any of the shit that I have. Right. Right. Like right. my son went to college and he got a lot of scholarships, which I was very fortunate for. But if he had to go to school and didn't get scholarships, he wasn't taking out any loans. Mm-hmm. Simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to take my son to college, take his little brothers with me to go visit him. I mean, to mm-hmm. drop him off, mm-hmm. flew my mom out there to drop him off. You know, we went to the bookstore to get what he needed. We went to Target to get what he needed. And we weren't stressed about it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, when my mom dropped me off at DePaul, mm-hmm. it was only a car ride from the west side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Her and my grandmother gave me a few hundred dollars, some hugs and kisses, and was like, hey, mm-hmm. you need to come get come yeah. get some food. We got you, yeah. bro. Right. That's all we got. That's all right. we got. Yep. So for yeah. me, yeah. it's hard for me to separate that because, you know, this job has afforded me a lot. You know, my son is 18 years old. has been all around the world, Paris, Africa. Mm-hmm. Italy, Spain, like, you know, um, just think, kid like me from the west side of Chicago, I've been in rooms with the president, prime minister of Mongolia, places, Mm -hmm. I've been in rooms that people will never touch because of the game of basketball, because of my job. Mm -hmm. And so I'll never take that for granted and I'll never cheat that, you know, that that career path that's afforded me these opportunities. Um, And it's been to my demise, right? Like I said, I was married, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, my ex-wife is one of my best friends now. Mm-hmm. But, like, it ended our relationship just because I couldn't separate, you know, my job from family. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's kind of like I have this sick, twisted addiction to success. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want to be the best at what I can. And I don't let anyone else's achievements or accomplishments dictate what I feel is the best version of me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, and trying to become the best version of me in this business, like, I've, I've done a lot of, you know, sacrificing. But it's been a lot of success as well. So, I mean, right. you got to take and get some give and take. But, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. I mean, I think it's good. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I I definitely cheer for you from afar. But I think it's good to to see the other aspect of the business world with the basketball. Because everybody's like, I want to be a player. And if they want to be a coach. But it's so much other stuff that they could do when it comes to the sports world. So, I think it's good to see people like yourself and hear your stories, mm-hmm. you know, about how to start. Because it gives, like, younger people... Uh, an uh, uh, an idea, alternative to you know everybody ain't gonna be Lou all day. Everybody not gonna be Giannis. You not, know what I'm not everybody. M- most no, people most ain't. Most people not. You know and what I'm saying? I think that's uh, and it's fucked up, right? Yeah. Like a lot of kids, you know, um, or a lot of parents put this pressure on their kid. Oh, you gonna you gotta make it. You gotta this. You gotta. It's it's not, probably not gonna happen. Yeah. Probably yeah. not gonna happen. E- yeah. Even when I go into meetings sometimes and I and I'm recruiting players and you know I sit there and, and these are players who you know are transitioning from college to the NBA draft and they think, okay, well, you know, I'm about to be the next LeBron or I'm about to be the next Giannis or I'm going to be the next stuff. And I, and I honestly have to be real with them. Like, yo, there's, it's more likely that you're a role player right. for three to four years right. than you're going to be a superstar. Right. So you need to live your life like you're a role player. Right. right? And, and if something happens where you become Stefan or, you know, Giannis or something like that, then, you know, we are prepared to help you build your career out like that. Mm-hmm. But if you go into your career thinking, you know, this is what I'm going to be, it's probably not going to be the case. You're overlooking certain steps to get to that place. But and like you said, you know, for me, I think, fi- again, for, for people who don't make it that far, right, mm-hmm. finding a career in sports to just keep you involved is involved, always great. Yeah. You, don't, yeah. you don't have to be an NBA player. You could work for, you know, Nike. You could work for right. Adidas. You could work for Puma. You could work for an agency. You could work for, you know, a team. You know, there's right. so many different ways. You can work for, you know, Golan Harris or, you know, Procter and Gamble and have and handle some of the accounts mm-hmm. that deal with the NFL or the NBA. There's so many different things that you can do to be involved in sports that honestly, the longevity in those careers is so much longer than actually being an athlete, a professional right. athlete, right? True. Right. So look at this. Let's say you're a league minimum player, which a lot of guys are, and average NBA salary is probably like one and a half to three million dollars. And so over five years, let's just say on the f- best end, five years, three million a year, that's fifteen million dollars. After taxes, that's probably seven right mm-hmm. living the lifestyle that you want to live you're going to probably spend two or three of that so it leaves you four million dollars it's not a lot of money mm-hmm. over a five-year span right, right. Mm-hmm. then you have to have a career or a life after that right but imagine being an executive at a company from the time that you're 25 to the time that you're 55 or 60 mm-hmm. that's 35 years or 40 years of a hundred thousand dollar to two hundred thousand dollar salary mm-hmm. at the very minimum right very minimal yeah. right yeah that's a lot of money. It's a lot right. of money. That's a good point. It's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. And so my, my goal a lot of times is to let people know, like, okay, if you want to be an athlete, that's great. But if you don't make it, which is more likely than not that you don't make it, mm-hmm. what's plan B? What's right. plan C? What's plan D? Right. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, people have seen that, again, a lot of these guys, I've, I've had no chance like they had to make it to the pros, right? I had no chance at all. But it's like, okay, look at what I've done. Look at what Rich Paul has done. Look at what a guy named Austin Brown has done, Mm -hmm. who's a big-time agent at CAA. Look at what Alex Sarasas has done. And, you know, try and follow that career path as well. And I think, again, it's it's becoming, you know, more and more 
cool, so to speak, to be an agent now or to mm -hmm. work in the agency. With but, all the TV shows and the Right, the people, but then, yeah. you know, some of the TV shows like Ballers and things like that, like the shit's funny yeah. because people think, oh, all it is is, you know, partying, hanging out, you know, spending money, going yeah. to expense. Nah. It's work. Nah, it's not. It's, not nah, it's a lot of work. It's not. It's not it's that. It's work. It's yeah. a lot of fucking work. It's so a lot of work. Yeah. I go to the office sometimes at midnight, one, two, three in the morning, just because I like working when people aren't in the office because there's mm -hmm. always so much shit to do. Mm -hmm. You're never done working. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, then, like, I mean, when Luol played for the Bulls, it was crazy. I tell people all the time. For, I knew I was going to at least 41 games a year. Every home game I was there. I would usually get to the arena around 6 and wouldn't leave till like probably 10, 30, 11. Right. Mm. So that's a five-hour work day outside of the seven, eight hours I spent in the office already. Right. Mm -hmm. I did that shit for 10 years while he was with the Bulls, He's 11 years with the Bulls. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But yeah, it's gratifying. Because yeah. when you're, when you're, you know, you're representing him, like you said, the game's over at like, 9 30 10 o'clock but then he gotta do media media then you might have to do something else massages all treatment, that, all, all that stuff. so yeah. you get you know you're there all day well not all day but you're there the game is over but you're there extra two three hours yep, yep. so okay. yeah so that's just a part of the, the gig but again it's worth it though. Mm -hmm. it's worth it and then you know those those business relationships become lifelong friendships yeah right? like you know my my oldest son calls Uncle, I mean, calls Luol Uncle Lulu. You know, he looks mm -hmm. at Draymond, it's like an uncle to him, you know. Mm -hmm. All my guys look at him as like their nephew, right? right? So, you know, they they celebrate him going to college just like I celebrated him going to college. So, you know, those are the things that have value to me. Like all the, you know, what people think is important about this business. No, hanging out with this person or right. going to this club. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about none of that shit. Right. Like if I were at wine time <laughs> and the times that I spent in clubs and all that shit, mm -hmm. spent with my father or my mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. I'll do that shit all over again. But, yeah. again, you learn from it. You grow from it. It's all right. worth it. It's all learning lessons for sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is When it comes to Draymond, is it really what we see is what we get? 100%. Okay. 100%. Because I always felt like that about him. No, bro, I, I love that. I love that nigga because he's a 100% unapologetically himself. And if you don't like him, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah, because he don't care. No, no, he, he does care. That's the thing. He cares enough that he's going to give you his opinion, right? And if you don't like it, then he doesn't give a right, fuck. Yeah. Right. But nah, he, he's who he is. Okay. 100%. He will never change. Okay. For anyone or anything. Okay. 100%. Great dude, though. Great dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Draymond is one of those guys, when he speaks, I usually listen. Um, like I said, and I know we talked about this before, with that whole thing with him and KD. I know what the media tried to do. Mm -hmm. But I've always felt like that wasn't their issue. I always felt like me personally, I always felt like KD had an expiration date. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like Draymond knew it. But when that thing happened, it gave the media like, there it is. Right. They kind of Th this about is that it. And, and, and when they yeah. finally had that yeah. sit down, everything that was said is kind of how I was like, I knew that's how they felt. You know what's crazy? When you're in my position sometimes, to this day, never asked them about the whole issue with him and KD. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because everybody always does, right? Mm -hmm. I still haven't watched the interview with him and Katie. No. Uh, we, we I mean, I'm sure it was. Yeah. But, like, we, me and him was just on FaceTime two days ago, three days ago, when he was in Oklahoma City. He was playing against one of my young, uh, one of my rookies. He just checked in and we was talking. But, like, I try and separate myself from a lot of that shit. Mm -hmm. um, because I know what it is, right? Like, I was crazy when that whole Katie shit. He was gathering himself to pass the ball to Katie, mm -hmm. right? Like, and people were like, oh, he's this. He's like, I'm, I know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But, again, I, sometimes it's just like, man, I the media makes their own portrayal of certain things and mm -hmm. I just kind of remove myself from it and like I said, just enjoy my role with these people and, and, and just being, not only working with them or being their friend just because again, like, 
It's crazy. Who would have thought a kid from the west side of Chicago could, you know, right? pick up. And again, when I when I represented Draymond or when I recruited Draymond, I knew he was good, right? But I didn't know he was going to be Draymond, Draymond uh, yeah. right? Yeah. I knew, you know, it was, a, it was a gentleman who used to be the GM of the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, um, Kenny Williamson. And Kenny Williams said, there's no perfect equation for success in, you know, being an NBA player. But if you do the right thing at the right time in front of the right people, that's probably going to make you be successful. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened with Draymond. You know, we put him in the right situation. Golden State, people don't realize this, Golden State passed up on him twice in the mm -hmm. draft. Mm -hmm. Twice in the mm -hmm. draft. Mm -hmm. Mark Jackson talks about it. Draft mm -hmm. passed up on him twice, right? Yeah. And then you know the rule in sports. You're never supposed to lose your spot to injury. Right. David Lee got hurt. Draymond played well. They said, fuck it, we can yeah, get rid of David Kept Lee. going. Right? Yeah. You know so, I mean, there's so many things that happen. And he did his job, and he did it the right way, and he's been rewarded for it, you know, multiple times. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's why, you know, I support him, and I'm very, very, you know, happy for him because he's grinded to get to where he is. And you can't say that anything was given to him, you know? Mm -hmm. um, he's made no, the best No, he earned it. Yeah, he's, he's a second-round draft pick. Yeah, yeah. And I knew it was something about him when I heard Coach Tibbs talk about how he wanted to take him. You know, in the first round, mm -hmm. but the Bulls was like, no. Right. It's so crazy when I think back about it, right? And, and that's probably one of the reasons, like, a lot of teams have said, you know, reached out to me about coming to work on the front office side because there have been a lot of players like Draymond who I've kind of, like, brought to teams and said, like, you're gonna, you're, you're missing on this guy, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you should draft him. And they mm -hmm. pass up on him, and then they become Draymond Green or mm -hmm. Monte Moore mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that. But, like, his draft process was hysterical to me. Because so many teams are like, well, you know, what is he? Like, he's mm -hmm. a fucking basketball player, right? <laughs> right. You, no disrespect to anyone who was drafted, you know, in front of him. But I remember going through the draft process, and I have teams texting me during the workouts, like, he's he's killing this player. He's killing that player. Why the fuck didn't you draft him? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's so funny to hear teams say or people say, well, I knew he would be this good or I knew he was going to be this great. No, you're fucking lying because mm -hmm. you told me that he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Like, I have text messages <laughs> that you, you said, oh, yeah. he'll have a three- or four-year career max, mm -hmm. right? And we laugh about that shit, right? Like, mm -hmm. 34 fucking teams, well, not 34, 29 teams passed up on him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They drafted 34 people in front of in him. In front of him. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. He knows all 34 people in order. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard him recite yeah, it. Like, I've heard yeah. him recite yeah. it. Yeah, he, yeah. It's, it's, it's sickening. I, I always feel like, just being around basketball for so long, I always feel like when it comes to the NBA drive, and what, it's all about, to me, uh, where you go, not the number you were drafted. Corey, I, I preach that shit so much, man. Um, one of my rookies this year, well, this past draft, just got, got drafted to Oklahoma City, um, the number 32 pick in the draft. Um, and oh, that's uh, Jeremiah. Yeah, Robinson Jeremiah, Rowe, yeah. Who I think could be another Draymond-type player. Mm -hmm. Not as not as physical, not as loud and boisterous, um, but probably like the same basketball IQ, mm -hmm. you know, play a lot of positions, you know. Um, but that's not the whole thing I preach to But Like, you, I don't care, you know, where you get drafted because there are a lot of people who get drafted and they go to the wrong situation and they don't stick, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Represent Monte Morris, who was the 51st pick in the draft in 2000, five years ago. Monte, I think he was like the eighth point guard picked in the draft. Only two point guards from that draft are still in the NBA, and then mm -hmm. there's him, right? And it's about the fit, right? It's about the fit. And a lot is. of times I tell people, too, like, you can't worry about what another player's doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's funny when I listen to music, a lot of times as you get older, like, it starts making sense. When Jay-Z said, what you eat don't make me shit, mm -hmm. like literally, yeah. like it was like, when you listen to that, it's like, like he meant it in multiple ways, right? But don't compare yourself to what this player's doing or what that player's doing, because one, 
you know, it's not going to make you it's any money. Make, it's not. It's not going to make you money. And too, like, what they're eating isn't going to make you literally shit, right? Right. So, right. like, either way, don't worry about it. Worry about yourself. So, for me, that's what I preach to my players all the time, man. And I think I've had a lot of success with guys, you know, who once they listen to it, you know, shit, we've, we've made a great career out of what people didn't expect to be a great career. And, mm -hmm. you know, then we've had guys who, you know, like Luol, who was a number, you know, whatever pick in the draft, and he's had great careers and was a two-time All-Star. He's made, you know, $200 million, and, you know, he's doing great with his life after basketball. After basketball, So those yeah. are things that are gratifying yeah. to me. Like, yeah. that, that's why the sacrifice and the no vacations and all that shit, mm -hmm. that's why it's kind of worth it, right? Because yeah. you see all these things that you've accomplished. And, you know, I think at some point I'll sit back and relax and, you know, look back at the things I've done. I'm like, damn, shit, boss, you did all right. Mm -hmm. Like, you did all right, but... I got some time before I do that. <laughs> Dude, what, what's your time? Like, what's your what's your retirement goal? Age. Age. Because right? you've been doing it for a long time. I don't have time. an age. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. this shit for damn, 20 years. I don't yeah. have an age. Um, I think I'm really getting a niche right now. Like, a, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's easier. Yeah. Never gets easy, right? But when you have, you know, a Giannis, when you have a Steph, when you have a Bam out of bio, and you could point to the things that the company that you work for has done with those players, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy to it's get easy in any door get, yeah. to get to a player, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, the fact that, you know, I've done things with other players and I can point to that. And the fact that, you know, I'm younger than most of these agents. Mm -hmm. um, I can relate to most of these agents and their, I mean, most of these kids and their parents. One, because I'm black. Two, because I played the game. Mm -hmm. Three, because, you know, I listen to the same music because some of these kids do. Because, actually, not anymore. I don't know what the fuck these kids listen to. I don't <laughs> know what the fuck this shit is. Um, but my son does, so I know mm -hmm. of it. Right. But, like, I wear the same sneakers these guys do and right. things like that. Like, people look at you like, okay, you're, you're, you know. It's weird now that people call me the OG or the young kids be calling me <laughs> unk and shit. And I'm yeah. like, God damn, I'm really that. at that age where I'm older, but yeah. I'm still relatable. Right. Um, so I don't see any time soon that I'm going to um, that I'm going to get out of it. But I know my, my retirement plan or my plan to, you know, retire would be do the agency side for a little bit longer. Um, then work in the front office for, you know, probably five to seven years. And then uh, Pat Riley told me, he's like, what you should do. He said, go find a university somewhere where there's a warm climate and teach sports management. And, you yeah, know, you can make $250,000, $300,000 a year being the chair of a sports management chair of program sports management, yeah. and just retire after you do that. And, I mean, mm -hmm. like, at that point, with all the years that I would have been in the business, there would be no one who could say, like, I shouldn't be able to run a sports right. management program. Right. There'll be no one who has the experience that I have or the education that I have. So, you know, and then when Pat Riley tells you something, right, you, you listen. You Riley. listen to Pat <laughs> Riley. Like that's, that's right. That's probably one, I tell people all the time, that's probably, like, my, my oh shit moment. There's, like, two of them. One just, like, one time been on the phone with Michael Jordan, and we're just, like, literally having a normal conversation about, like, one of my players. Mm -hmm. And then, two, like, Pat Riley has become a mentor to me where I could, like, text him or mm -hmm. call him or have an argument with him about basketball. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, it's like... Pat old ass be texting, man. Bro, I'll show you. <laughs> we had a text argument uh, a few years ago about a player. Um... Pat probably get his glasses probably before he get the text message. Yeah, we, uh, probably be like, yeah, real slow. Fuck. That's crazy. Him. I just got a text message from a player's mom about, you know, a player who had a bad game and he's upset that I haven't called. Like I told you, it's like, bro, it's never, it's never, it's never like you're always working. But, uh, mm -hmm. Me and Pat be going back and forth, bro. <laughs> That's so funny. That's funny. That's funny, man. So. I know you say like obviously you know you watch a lot of basketball, part of your job. I gotta ask you about the Bulls though. Mm -hmm. So so far, let's 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 it's twofold. Let's talk about 
before their hot start, let's talk about the front office, the change that they mm-hmm. made. What was your thoughts about it? I love AK. Okay. Um, I knew AK. AK was a part of the Denver Nuggets front office, and he drafted one of my guys, Monte Morris. So I've I've been around him a lot. Um, what people don't know, and I respect AK. I'm not gonna say I don't respect people who don't play basketball, but Arturis Karnasovas is like the Michael Jordan of European basketball. Oh yeah. Right. People don't realize like he, the Bulls played against them when they played in Paris some years ago, yep. and AK was giving the Bulls work. Mm-hmm. Right. So, AK was on that very good Seton Hall team. Yes. Yes. Back in the yes. uh, late '90s, I mean late '80s. So I, I respect him from a basketball perspective mm-hmm. because he played the game and he understands the game. Number one. Number two, it's very difficult to have that culture barrier broken when you're, you know, from Europe, but you have, you know, young black men respect you and, you know, reach out to you and gravitate towards you. And I saw that he did that in Denver. Mm. So I was very pleased when he got the job, right? I thought that that was a, that was a good direction. Um, Mark Eversley, who's the assistant GM, worked at Nike, right. worked under Masai Ujiri in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, helped build a good, you know, championship team in Toronto. You know, again, African-American man who I feel some of the young players, young black players on the team or just young players on the team in, in general could relate to. Um, so I thought that was a good hire. I think Pat Connolly comes from a basketball family. His brother is the president of the Nuggets. Yep. Um, you know, they're from D.C. They're a big basketball family. So I, I think, you know, Michael Reinsdorf and his dad did a hell of a job in regards to getting a front office in place to, you know, rebuild the culture here. Um and the crazy thing it was, it wasn't that long ago that we were a good team, right? You I mean, you look, I, I lived it, right? Derrick Rose doesn't tear his ACL. I think we're a championship team. I was there for all the games, right? Like I, like I, I think we are. Um, so, and we've had some, you know, some rough years in between there, right? But I think, you know, no disrespect to the old front office, Paxson was good, Gar Foreman was good, but you just needed some new life in the organization. And so Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf get a ju- did a good job of getting new getting a new lifeline in there. Right. And you know, I mean, who doesn't want to play in Chicago, right? But it was different things that were a part of the organization that made people not want to come here. Mm-hmm. And so now you're starting on a fresh slate. And so for me, I think the city deserved that. I think the organization deserved that. Like people always ask me, "What's your favorite team?" Like it's always going to be the Bulls. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is because mm-hmm. of Mike and Scotty. And you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying like that's why I'm doing it. But um, I think the city deserved it. I think the organization deserved it. And I'm, ha- I'm happy for them. Yeah. Um, just when they're not playing against any of my players. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're off to it. Well, they just lost tonight. But, uh, oh, they yeah, we lost. Tonight? Yeah, they we lost. I think they, yeah, I think they lost. But um, they're 4-1 right now. So the way this team is built, do you think they're two years away, one year away, what, like? It's so tough, right? Free agency can kill a team. Zach will be a free agent at the end of this year. I think he'll end up staying. Um, Lonzo's here for, I think, he's on a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. DeMar signed three. So you have a good nucleus. I think you need to, you got some good young pieces in regards to Patrick Williams, who you drafted. I think Alex Russo is a good role player. Um, I forget who the fuck they drafted this year. Io. Oh, yeah, they didn't have a first-round pick. I yeah. think Io will be, yeah. you know, it's too early to tell, but he could be a very valuable backup point guard behind Lonzo at some point. Um, you know, they drafted Kobe White a couple years ago, who's been injured a lot of his career. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think you're still a couple years away from telling what's really there. Mm-hmm. But you look at, like, the nucleus of DeMar, Zach, Lonzo, you know, Patrick Williams. Like, I think they got something. They got something. Yeah. I think they're probably, you know, a legit shooter 
away. You know, basketball now is all spacing. Mm -hmm. So you need somebody who's going to space the floor like right. you know, Joe Harris right. or something, something like that. But um, I think I think they've done a good job. I think they'll probably end up being like fourth in the East this in year. In the East maybe this year? Third, okay. Third this year. But I think they're moving in the right, in the right direction. Okay. No. You, you, think, you think Ack and Mark now pretty much have the vision of how they want this team to look? Because you spoke about Zach. They got to sign him. But you know, uh, Vucevic, you know, his deal – I think he's I got he was he's got two years left. Yeah. So I think that's going to probably come into play in terms of, like you said, two more years of being in contention. It just depends on, like, all right, if they give, if we give Zach this money now, well, in the summer, okay, Vooch is going to come up in a year or two, so what are we going to do? Yeah. The good thing is this. They got all these players on the team already. Mm-hmm. So the salary cap won't constrain them too much because they have their bird rights because they're already on the team. Right, right. So they can go over the cap to sign them. Right. It's just a matter of if the Reinsdorfs want to spend money on, you know, the team. Mm -hmm. And I think if the team is winning, they will. Um, and, again, this is, I forgot about Vooch, but you add him into that mix, like that's a, that's a contending team, man. That's a contending team. Um, you know, I think you look at Milwaukee, Miami as the top tier of the east mm -hmm. and then the bulls fall into that second tier and and again i only put them in the second tier now because you know you're not we haven't seen enough of this current we haven't yet. we haven't but they look good thus far um yeah. you know a lot of people have been been crazy on social media and shit people are oh the bulls are back and i saw somebody post a meme of fucking Michael Jordan passing the torch to Alex I saw Caruso. that, man. I almost no, threw my fucking I, phone I saw that, man. They be going, they be doing they be much. going crazy, they be man. Doing too like, that's they, like, okay. Like, yo, they beat the Pistons right. twice. Twice. Right. They, they beat, beat New Orleans. The fucking relax. Hornets. The, the four, the three of us, the four of us could beat the fucking Pelicans. <laughs> no disrespect. I, mean, I like what they're doing. But like, and they beat Minnesota. Like, come on, bro. Right. Like, we gotta relax. Right, like, let's see what they do against Milwaukee. Let's see what they do against Miami. Let's see what they do against, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers and things like that. Yeah. I I just for me, it's weird because for me like I'm, I knew who AK was, mm -hmm. I I knew about Mark, so when they hired them, you know, I tweeted out like Bulls fans, you finally got a real front office with two guys who are great evaluators mm -hmm. of talent exactly because I saw what AK did in Denver, I saw how he built that team, mm -hmm. and I saw who we hired to coach that team. Mm -hmm. And I think when the Bulls hired, I'm like, that's how the Bulls are going to somewhat look like. They're going to be like Denver East because that's, yeah. how, he want, that's no, how he that's wants the, the team to look. That's, that's a great comparison. That's and you could, comparison. you could kind of tell a little bit mm -hmm. how, I mean, remember when he drafted Michael Porter Jr. Drafted Michael Porter Jr. He drafted. And everybody was like, why? Mm -hmm. But he may have been right about Michael Porter Jr. Drafted Jamal Murray. He drafted Jamal Murray. A Kentucky guy that wouldn't that didn't get didn't get a lot of uh, accolades mm -hmm. down there. He was I thought he was good, but everybody was like, "Well, why Denver taking him so high?" Now look at him drafting Nikola Jokic in the second round. Second round draft pick, MVP now, mm -hmm. one of the best centers in the league. Mm -hmm. They have an eye for he had an eye for talent over there, and he built that team to now look at him now. Yeah. They're going to contend for the West every year. Yeah. No, I think they will. Because um, I think he deserved the job. I think he's doing the, the right thing here. Again, um, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. I think uh, Chicago's in, in good hands for the foreseeable future. For okay. Sure. For sure. That's good to know. I'm glad you said that. I just want people to understand that. Like, be patient, Bulls fans. You got to be patient. Yeah. They, they're going to not going to win a championship this year. Right. I'll tell you that for sure. Right. But they're, they're moving in the right direction. They're moving in the right direction. Yeah.
So I know what you got to talk about next. No, that's it. I mean, well, I um, <laughs> I don't, don't want to hold boss too long, but uh, we can we can switch gears a little, make a make a little light conversation. Um, we used to talk about different things, but um, I know something that we talked about this week was the whole Will and Jada situation. Oh, Not yeah. so much Will and Jada. Did you hear about that? I read something about it, like so. Basically, it was it was blown out of proportion. <laughs> basically, you know, Jada Duck has the whole red table yeah. top. And on Fuck the talk, they table. were talking. <laughs> he hates red table. They were talking about um, Gwyneth Paltrow was on there, and she was talking. I guess her new show on Netflix, mm -hmm. and it was about just it's about sex. Mm -hmm. And so Jada was saying that you know women in her age group, sex was not with your husband. That the, the conversation right. that wasn't something they were taught. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was hard uh, to have a conversation with your husband about that, whatever. But well, the internet took that little clip and changed it to Will said Jada said that Will uh, having sex with Will is uncomfortable. It's oh. yeah, and, and she didn't say that. She didn't say that. so. Everybody's been jumping on her back. People like this guy over here, and everybody like hates her, and everybody wants her to divorce. You know, Will. Do you do you think she's making Will like a simp? Look, man, I just there's so many things that are going on with them <laughs> that just make that whole relationship kind of seem awkward. The whole August Alcina yeah, shit, yeah. all that. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm not as famous. Let me, let me, sorry. I'm not famous uh -huh. at all. And so I think it's difficult for anybody to say what, you know, they go through. Or, you right. Know, mm -hmm. I just think they should just leave their private shit alone. Yeah. Like, just leave, yeah. like, fuck, I would agree. You say? Fuck a red table. <laughs> fuck that red table. <laughs> fuck a red table. Like, bro, I'm not, I don't like talking about shit in my personal life, mm -hmm. right? And you put it out there for people to dissect. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times, you know, what people say or do or allude to can have some type of impact on your actual personal life, bro. Mm -hmm. Let that shit go, bro. Yeah. I mean, Will, you famous enough, nigga, you done made how many hundreds of millions, damn mm -hmm. near billions of dollars? Mm -hmm. Jada, you done already been in enough conversations about shit and you're famous, bro. Let, but again, I don't know why they do it. I don't know, you know, I can't, I don't know them people. Um, <laughs> what works for them, that's great. They might like that attention and they might like, you know, making people, and, it, and it, she could just be throwing us all the fuck off. Right. That she could just be talking this shit and it really has nothing to do with her and Will, right? right. Just right. trying to make sure she stays stays or remains relevant, mm -hmm. you know, to social media and things like that. But, um, yeah, that, that was a, that was a tough one. I read it and I'm like, this seems kind of odd. Like, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, again, they, they've had a couple of situations that made Will look a, a different way mm -hmm. and he kind of just kind of blew him off whereas yeah. I would have raised all types of hell. Like, yeah. Like, because everybody, yeah. we got this image of Will be like, he's a superstar and it's like he's it's Will like he's the man you know mm -hmm. he ain't and Martin that's what he ain't though <laughs> he ain't he ain't right he ain't body <laughs> Bob <laughs> he ain't body Bob but you know it's it's, it's still Will you know nah. what I'm saying and then she yeah I mean I don't like him looking like that but I I do think in this situation that they were kind of you know they 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 kind of I don't like I just didn't like do I mean granted the whole story was not true and I get it but the fact is I can see her saying some shit like that. Like, like turning her nose up at Will? Like saying, like, I need a man to read my mind. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I can't I'll, tell you when I want sex. You should just already know. Like, I can I, see her I think saying that's just, that that's, that's just her TV persona. Well, like, maybe, like, I think, like, it's probably like most did. Like, behind closed doors, it might be something totally yeah, different. It could be. I, you I know, don't know. We don't know. We don't know. 
Well, I'm gonna ask you something that we always ask our guests uh, before they leave. And I know you like music, so. Um, and I'm gonna ask you, what's your top five R&B artists? Okay, so top it, five ever. Period. So yeah, your top five. Your top five. Your wow. Top five. You know, I love music. I know, I you, know do. you do. Woo. You still got my CD. <sighs> <laughs> hey, we ain't letting this CD go. Uh, we ain't letting this go. Yeah. Uh, uh, it could be old or new. I'm a, yes. I'm, okay, I'm gonna give you. I lived in California for a little bit, so y'all hip to Eric Bellinger? Yeah, mm-hmm. I know that is. Yeah, that motherfucker. He's dope. That motherfucker special. Yeah, he dope. He he's uh he's up there. Um, top five R&B artists. Usher has to be in that category. Okay. Yeah. Um, Can't go wrong with us. Usher has to be in that category. Shit. Who else? Groups or what? You can put a group in there. Boys to Men. Boys to Men. Boys okay. to Men has to okay. be in there. Um. Wow, that's tough. Everybody gets to three and like they get yeah, stuck. That's tough. Tough. <laughs> Everybody gets to three, and gets stuck. Fuck. Um. Shit. Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston. Okay. It can't go wrong with that. I, can't I, go wrong I, with I that at that. all. I don't think this might be the first one that said Mariah Carey. Everybody always usually, I've heard Whitney Houston a few times. I don't think I've heard Mariah yet. Mariah was special. Yeah, Mariah's Mariah the first got, one we heard. Mariah got pipes. And, and the thing is, too, she did it like, I think Mariah was a modern day Whitney, but she kind of crossed into the hip hop thing, doing mm-hmm. stuff with like, you know, Mace and Puff and like yeah. different artists right, and shit right, like right. that. So Everybody got a song with Mariah. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I would say those are my top five. And Eric Bellinger, that that like that. So you got that's an interesting five you got. I, I bet a lot of people forgot about Eric B. Bro, well, they should. I mean, I think he's got a new project that wasn't. Oh, yeah, one just came out. Yeah, maybe um, like a month ago. But like he, ago, he something the, like the, that. The people who fuck. I gotta go six. Gotta What's put, that one song? You gotta go. put Chris Brown in there. Chris Brown. You gotta put Chris CB. Got got to. That nigga that. special. That oh, young nigga special. I could I could, I could take. Would that. he be Usher in the verses? Yes. Hell oh, no! Hell no! Hell no! No look, way! Look, 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 look! Give me, give me five Chris Brown songs. That's that's that's. I could, I could give you probably five Usher songs that ain't nobody touching. Bro, that whole Chris Chris Brown's first album is fucking. It is. It, mean, it's the bomb, but it's not being Usher. I mean, I know that it's a different age. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an age gap. But at the same time, people be acting like Usher is like he don't got hits. I just think Chris Brown has Usher. Chris Brown started so young, mm-hmm. right? And he's continued. He's continued with it, right? Usher right. Too. He did. He did. But Chris Brown has put out more. Okay. And he's still putting out more. Whereas Usher, he didn't put out shit recently. Okay. Well, okay. I, I, that's fair. He's going with the hits. I I get your argument. I that's get fair. it. I put it like this. That would be the best verses that's that's happened. I, I want to see it. it. I want to see it. It would. Yeah. It would. I, I want to see it. Because confessions. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Confessions to me is just that's in my top five albums. Period. Yes, yo, mine that, too. You know like, that, that would probably be probably the most difficult. Um, let me rephrase that. I don't when know who he starts putting those down there, I, I rephrase. Let me rephrase. I don't know who the fuck went. <laughs> that would be one. Yeah. I, would, I don't know that that Jonte Austin and Neo versus was probably amazing too. You know what? Those early ones, I said that they should redo some of those. The because, producer ones are always yeah, good because because yeah. you'd be like, I ain't know he right, did that. Yeah, right, and right. a lot of people didn't see those right. when when versus first came no. out. People those didn't early know who Jonte Austin was. And Jonte, I'm hit. one of them people. Jonte got hit. When I was watching that, I'm like. Who's this motherfucker? He made that. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, he wrote Sweet Lady? I thought yeah. Tyrese wrote that. Yeah. I thought Tyrese wrote that. 
he wrote that's the, the money Emancipation of Mimi. Yeah, that's what the money is. <laughs> them, them writing credit. That's what I mean. That, he's on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I found out after that verses. <laughs> I went yeah. to his catalog, and you know you can look and see. Yeah. What Man, I was like, he wrote some motherfucking classics. Yeah, Man, that nigga's gifted. Yeah, he's gifted. Yeah, he did. Man. He, he got some. He got some. He got well, some good stuff. your top five is good. That's that's good. That's that's a different one. Yeah, so Eric B on know? there. So that I, that's good. Yeah. Now, name your top five rap artists. Ooh. Your top five. Jay. Okay. Drake, Aubrey, <laughs> uh, Nas. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eminem. That's funny. I yeah. would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Talk to you I wouldn't have thought you was gonna say that. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Eminem, okay. Eminem there. Man. This one always hard. <laughs> Eminem. I'm gonna go Pac. Pac, okay. I'm go Pac. That's a that's I go ex- Pac. excellent I, I, choice. I love Big, but Pac just had more. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but th- that's my five. That's your five, yeah. okay. Excellent choice. And and, and I've always said Jay Z is the greatest ever, but as yeah. of late, I've had to say this: Drake keeps on this trajectory. <laughs> Arby might be, uh, he might be that, on that, the something. That, that, that he got some shit. <laughs> but Moses is like, nah, he ain't catching my boy. He, no, I, I mean I love Jay. It's just <laughs> Drake just rap about like some like it's. It's more relevant now to time, like. But yeah. again, I don't. I'm not saying I like him more than Jay. No one. Yeah. Jay is gonna be my mic all yeah. the time. No one's right. ever gonna be better than Michael Jordan to me ever. I don't give a fuck. A nigga come in and average 97 points a game. Like Michael. Nobody's gonna, gonna be, be better than Mike. No. Yeah. I feel you. Listen, Aubrey. Well, Aubrey is, is love and hate with me and Drake. So some Probably stuff I love. Drake. Yeah. Some stuff I don't. I don't like, but I still listen to that damn certified lover boy. Totally I'm telling you, that was album decent. was nice, man. It was no, it was. It was. The album was nice. It was you know what I mean? Well, before we before we close out, did you have anything else? Or you had any shout outs before we we let this young man go? Who do I have any shout outs? Do you have any shout outs? You wanna say hi to anybody? Bag, yo, I don't like niggas, I don't like bitches, I don't like <laughs> nobody. <laughs> I shout out shit. Um, nah, I'm just playing. Nah, um, y'all, man, y'all doing a hell of a job with this for us. That's good. Like, I mean, it's the crazy thing is to just see people that you grew up with, like we're all adults now, like we're mm-hmm. we're all grown as fuck. Grown, grown, yeah. But like legit, you and Kai are the only one ain't got no goddamn kids. <laughs> I know it feels it is good. So I can take mine. We can babysit. <laughs> I'll babysit. Now I'm a, I'm I'm auntie. Teeth. I'll babysit. Yeah, she auntie for yeah, real. I'm, auntie, I'm the auntie. I, um, I can I can babysit. But no, it's just good. One, we just all need to see each other more. We bro. definitely we do. do. Definitely do. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm texting. It's all good. Let me um let me pay. Our pay, bills. pay the bills, bro. Um, first of all, shout out to Elite Cigar Chicago. Um, this episode was brought to you by them. Appreciate those um, Anybody who loves cigars and appreciates cigars like I do, check them out. All right, they're on Instagram. It's called Elite Chicago. Elite Cigar Chicago. They got hoodies. They got T-shirts. They got some of the best cigars that I've ever smoked. I've only been smoking cigars for like the last five years, but. They got some cigars that I know people would really like. They got flavor cigars. Everything. Everything. Stuff for the ladies, too. And ladies, yeah. trust me, you fit right in with the merch and everything. Yeah. But, again. Christmas coming up. Y'all add those to y'all to y'all basket. Go to Instagram, Elite Cigar Chicago. You got weed? No, no weed. Just cigars. <laughs> just cigars. Just cigars. Sorry, bro. bro. Sorry, bro. <laughs> but uh, if, you, if you mess with cigars, they'll hook you up. Send them a DM. Yeah. 
Yeah, get you a nice package together of cigars, hoodies, whatever you need. They ain't got no weed, though. No weed, No though. weed, no weed. And most importantly, <laughs> they black owned. Absolutely. Support respect. black business. Respect that. Respect that. Where they at? Right out on um, the south side. Okay. Yep. Right on the south side. Well, again, before we close out, we just want to thank everybody for listening. We thank our brother for being here. Um, west side. West side, all day long. Um, and again, follow us on all social media on Instagram, Facebook, SOTSOT Pod. Um, we'll be back with you next week with another guest, actually. So mm-hmm. we appreciate y'all for listening. Man's veins. And, yeah. <laughs> and most importantly, shout out to Jim House Studios. Absolutely. All right. Hey, black on too. So yeah. I'm telling y'all, we doing shit, man, 2021, 2022. Chicago got some Chicago stuff. Chicago got some shit. Yeah. Nigga shit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> we all let y'all. Man's veins. I'm not finna do this with you, boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Peace. <laughs>